0: Welcome, everyone, to our third installment of Mentality Monsters. I'm your host, Kyle Langan. I'm joined this morning by Fedja Buzančić. Fedja, how are you this morning?
1: Doing well. I've been up for a couple hours now, and I am very ready to go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, First couple episodes, we had the opportunity to uh, introduce the audience to what the podcast is all about moving forwards, uh, and some examples of... You know, tremendous uh, athletes and achievers. Um, you know, through our first episode where we talked about the Captain Class book, and today, um, what we'd like to communicate to the audience are um, some examples of who you and I, of view as mentality monsters uh, in, in all of international sport at the present moment, and uh, really dive into uh, what makes up the successful parts of their identity, and disassemble that so we can share that with the audience.
1: Yeah there are a lot of fundamental lessons that can be learned from these people and as we said in the first episode when we started when we started this off you know sport in general is this very interesting arena where a lot of these tendencies and behaviors and mindsets that lead to success can be analyzed and applied to other things in your life so that's why we decided to look at these so-called mentality monsters because a they're very fascinating people and b they have a lot to teach us about what it takes to be successful and who you need to be to be
0: successful and there's two really uh, obvious uh, mentality monsters in all of international sport at the moment and those two for me are cristiano ronaldo and tom brady
1: the classics
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and to, to dive into why i will uh, i'll take a bit of a detour here um, there's a man named Master Shi uh, Heng Yi. Uh, he's a master of Qigong, um, which is obviously uh, Eastern martial art on Eastern medicine. However, he's a respected voice in, in the Western hemisphere. Um, he has appeared in several TED Talks uh, on self-mastery. And he highlights that the very first thing that any person learns when learning a martial art is how to stand. And the reason for this is that that is your foundation. Everything is built on a strong foundation and everyone returns to that foundation. So as the foundation becomes stronger, the capacity to build something incredible on top of it increases. And what Ronaldo and Brady do when they arrive somewhere. Now, you know, in Brady's case, we got to really see this when he left New England and went to Tampa because he was a part of that culture. And then when he landed in Uh, Tampa, some things changed, obviously, and they won a championship very quickly. Ronaldo, you know, he's been in several places throughout his career. So really what I looked at to pull this apart was what happens to these different teams and and clubs when they get to a new place. What the two of them do is point out what uh, Yi is talking about. They show people how to metaphorically stand in their own mind um, to engage the proper stance. Now, of course, they're among pros, so it's easy to wonder how other professionals don't know how to metaphorically stand on their own. What these two are doing is forcing a re-examination of the concept by reminding other professionals that how they do one thing is how they do everything. Uh, Master Yi comments that if you were to look at every person's schedule, you know, from from dawn to dusk, you know, each day, and then look at the activities, for three years, you would know what they were good at and what skills they had developed, and better yet, who they were. So when Brady signs with Tampa, he immediately texts every teammate the goal for the season, when he plans to be at the facility, where he wants to go to, you know, have a catch. It's not for show. It's to remind everyone how big his foundation is and how that said foundation is the reason for his massive success there was similarly uh, a recent story about ronaldo um, that after games at manchester united he, he passes on taking any of the the sweets or desserts that are available for the team and discourages other players uh, from doing the same thing he, he famously uh removed a, a coke bottle from the uh press conference at the euros um this past summer in 2021 you know claiming it's garbage, right? He doesn't, he doesn't drink that. And their their stock actually plummeted. So it's quite funny that, you know, how deeply Ronaldo lives the angle here. And and he's reminding uh, his teammates. It's important that how important these habits are. Um, And, you know, the Juventus players, you know, when they had a slow start to the season um, after Ronaldo departed, you know, they commented that, you know, they relied on him so much uh, emotionally you know, to carry the day and to set the standard, you know, day to day, not just execute during the games, but really to carry the, the day-to-day culture um, and point things like that out. So the, the team had a bit of a relapse uh, in terms of their commitment. Um, their captain Leonardo Arno referred to it as a, a lack of understanding of the humility uh, that's necessary to go to work every day. Right. And, and, you know, humility might not be the word that comes to mind when you think of Ronaldo. Um, However, the work he, he puts in to build that foundation um, does take a lot of humility. Um, another man, uh, Aubrey Marcus, um, he's the founder of uh, Austin based company it. He wrote a book called Own the Day, Own Your Life. And it's about structuring your time to attract the success that you want. Um, Jeffrey Gittimer, um, famous sales coach, uh, he wrote a similar one called Get Shit Done, um, which is a more of a professional aim um nonetheless, he drives home a, a similar point, so um success leaves clues, and these mentality monsters openly hand out the clue um, about how you stand, how you have a foundation, and how you're you invest your time from dawn to dusk is a reflection of of that it's a reflection of how you view yourself, how you view your priorities, and your commitment to those priorities
1: i love <clears throat> I love what you said about um... Brady and, and Cristiano reminding professionals that how you do one thing is how you do everything. Because when you look at all of these mentality monsters, and we're only going to talk about a few, but there are many across the world of sport. When you look at these people, what you see is that they all have this similar mindset that what you do on a day-to-day basis is determines everything on the back end. And so when you when you dig into these individuals, what you see is an emphasis on the process, uh, a deliberate approach to how that process is executed, and a vehement protection of their mentality and that process. They adhere to it almost um, in, in an insane way. Like they, they will never break away from the things that they view as making them great. I mean, when people talk about Brady eating avocado ice cream, this is like a tongue in cheek way of making fun of his TB 12 method and all of these things that he does to be successful, but they are the vehicles, the, the drivers of where he is today.
0: And What's, in, what's the, the insane part quote unquote there is that it's non-negotiable for them.
1: Yeah. Like if you were to ask
0: them, you know, Oh, don't you ever, you know, just, you know, have an ice cream, you know, one night out, they would look at you dead in the face and no, (laughs) they're really talking to themselves, right? Like they're they're emphasizing. Absolutely not. You you know, they, they'll live another 30, 40, 50 years after they retire and could enjoy all those things for now. That (laughs)
1: Yeah. So I want to I wanna segue, the, since you mentioned that they're talking to the, themselves, I want to segue into one of the mentality monsters that I that I flagged as wanting to talk about today, who's Jarvis Landry. And <laughs> I, I chose him for a couple of reasons. Number one, he is a psychopath. And number two, his impact, I felt his impact personally because I am a fan of the Cleveland Browns. When he joined the Cleveland Browns, he was a major contributor to the culture shift of that team. So he's very near and dear to my heart because of that.
0: And, yeah. I recall when he got traded, you know, people were saying uh, it, it was, you know, him go, going from Miami to Cleveland must suck to be him. And, and he's, he sort yeah. of reacted to that in a way. Like he, he wasn't about that narrative at all. He was determined to go against it.
1: Yeah. So he, I love him because, and he's a mentality monster to me because of his commitment to the process and because of how he protects his mindset at all costs. And he, He leads by example by doing all the dirty work on the field, and he uses his willingness to do all these sucky things, like going across the middle for a catch. In football, when you go across the middle, you're very likely to get hit hard, and a lot of receivers don't like to do that. Jarvis Landry loves to do that, apparently. Um, He blocks very aggressively. He's willing to play special teams. He just does all these things that a star player should not be willing to do, but he commits to that process so forcefully that it gives him the credibility that he needs to hold every other person on the team accountable. And he leverages his mindset and his actions to mold that environment around him uh, into one that supports his individual goals and his team
0: goals as well. You know, what's so interesting about this is recently, um, you know, Lionel Messi, he changed teams from, you know, Barcelona to, to PSG, which was a huge deal. And he laid down behind uh, a wall of guys to block a free kick and this was controversial in the media the media was like he should never do that you know like he's too valuable but, but mess he's like no i, I want to actually show my teammates that i'm like, willing to do anything to win
1: yeah that humility that you talked about yeah. earlier it there is a lot of humility in this um in, in the approach that these guys take and you don't see it again like you said because there's such amazing personalities and and magnificent personalities that it's hard to; it, those moments where you see them act in in a humble way are shocking to a fan because you know you think about them the exact way you describe. Like guys like Messi don't do this type of stuff. Um, so Jarvis is is probably most famous for a speech that he gave on Hard Knocks a few years ago, where. Uh, Basically, it was right after he was signed to the Browns. They were a terrible team at the time. They'd gone one and thirty-one over the course of the previous two seasons, and Jarvis was brought in specifically to be a culture changer. So yes, he was highly skilled as a wide receiver, but his true value was supposedly his leadership. And he gave this speech. It was like a two and a half minute speech, um, specifically aimed at talking at younger players who were taking days off. And in this speech, he was famous for saying repeatedly the phrase, it's contagious. And cursed, he cursed a lot. He said, I think he dropped like 23 F-bombs in a two-minute span. <laughs> but um, he, he had this term, it's contagious, it's contagious. And that term uh, spread like a virus <laughs> throughout the Browns fan base and throughout the team. And this became like a rallying cry for the team and for for the fans throughout that season. And that season the Browns did a lot better than they had in previous years. And one of the things that I found that was so interesting when I was when I was reading about this is that after after that moment Jarvis was interviewed and and he said himself this is what this is what got me excited to talk about this. He said himself that he was talking as much to himself as he was to yeah. the other players in the room. And the reason for that is because he didn't want the mindset of the other players to negatively impact his own mindset because he viewed his own mindset as this willingness to do all the dirty work, to, to love the process, to commit fully to what it takes to be an elite and successful athlete. He, he viewed that as his advantage. When he, when he was a freshman at LSU, he, his first year, he played special teams. And he was one of the most highly regarded wide receivers in his recruiting class. Five-star five star, uh, prospect playing special teams, which is on, in football, you're like running down the field and tackling guys on a kickoff.
0: It, and it sounds like he's expressing something actually far more profound when he's saying that it's contagious. He's saying, I, I'm contagious, right? Yeah. And a given individual is contagious. And so it's a reminder that, as as much as what he's doing is contagious what everyone else is doing is contagious as well so he's he's casting a, a reminder as you said to himself also to everybody else and for those others it may not even be a reminder it may be a the revelation first time they're, yes the first time they're yeah. realizing the, the contagious nature of their thoughts
1: which which brings me to what what you had said earlier which is um, that when you when you structure your actions, your daily schedule in a way that supports your goals, you're developing a specific mindset around how you want to accomplish certain things and and the process that you're going to execute to accomplish them. Once you establish that mentality and that scaffolding, you have to protect it at all costs. That's why these that's why these guys like Tom Brady and and Ronaldo and all these other mentality mentors that we talk about are so protective with their process and what they do. That's why everything is non-negotiable. It's because as soon as you allow that doubt or uncertainty to creep in, you risk losing that special thing that you've created for yourself that supports everything that you want to accomplish.
0: Yeah. We, you know, everyone wants more resources to achieve their, the life and the goals they want, you know, resources as in money, opportunity, etc. And the one that we're all afforded equally is time. So this is why you know high achievers place such a high emphasis on how you treat your day because we're all afforded the same 24 hours in the day. So if you, if you use treat that resource like gold and you, you honor that resource, you know, uh, there's a belief that other resources will will flow to you, you know, in a more free manner. Um, when you're, you're maximizing your time.
1: Develop the mindset, protect the mindset.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, someone who, uh, you know, who I want to, you know, speak on is uh, really Conor McGregor. And uh, for me, yeah. there, there's two Connors. Yeah, there is the, there's the Connor who, who, you know, was on the come up. He had his vision cast and set uh, that he was going to be a, a two weight world champion in the UFC and be, you know, the Forbes richest athlete in the world. And there was the Connor, you know, post achieving that, uh, that mindset. And, uh, you know, for me personally, I want to, I want to jump into, you know, why this figure, uh, really has such a deep impact on me. It was, you know, 2015, 2016, I had moved um, away from my family in New Jersey and relocated to another area uh, of the U S and South Carolina. And, uh, you know, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and, you know, to the point where, you know, I had a job, which was to drive around where I lived and, you know, prospect, cold call. I was in sales. And I would often actually get, get panic attacks when I was driving on the highway. And it became very difficult for me. And how I overcame this was to put on Connor McGregor trash talk videos. Because he wasn't going to let his opponent win. Right, and this was the time where he was on on a peak, and so I, I learned the power of uh, the power of words and belief by watching this, and and I I bought in to the power of the narrative inside your own mind, right? Uh, the winner of the war gets to write the book on it, and there was a you know two voices fighting inside my head, and and I saw that Connor was somebody who'd you know who'd won that that battle inside his own mind, you know, with the narrative. And I would just watch these videos. So, you know, for him, you know, he it's sad to see what's gone on with him, you know, the last two years, because he he really got such a a special, you know, place in, in uh, you know, my mind and and personal life, really. Um, You know, Connor was quoted once as saying, all that matters is how you see yourself. Uh, In his early days, he would often say that he visualized good things, you know, coming to him when he was at his lowest because that's when it's most difficult. Um, He'd quit his job as a plumber to fight not long before he was quoted as saying these things and and didn't have uh, didn't have much. So you know in my belief the the essence of uh, masculine energy is is progress. Um, Doers love to believe that that doing something is leading somewhere right. Um, You know uh, it's common that, that men want to accomplish something they want to provide Um, And feminine energy can be more holding energy, um, you know, mothering something. So uh, that's that's my belief. And so when Connor was progressing through the achievement of his vision, um, he was really feeling it. So it's the placebo effect. He was combining action with the intent and seeing results. So, you know, his belief started to build. Uh, and he earned the moniker Mystic Mac because of his consistent ability to visualize, articulate, and execute uh, how a fight would go. And what got under the skin of other fighters wasn't the trash talk in terms of the words he was saying. it was the certitude, right? How certain he was that it would go a certain way. And they would read that, and it deeply bothered other fighters that he was uh, he was so certain. So the message behind this is a very similar one to you know what we shared on our last episode which is have a vision right so your actions can be um, what i like to refer to as high leverage actions for achieving that vision and so really to combine the two concepts that we've talked about so far your time and your vision you know once you once you pick the actions that are of, of high leverage for achieving your vision prioritize those within your day and say what's the most important thing I can do today to achieve? What I want to achieve in three years. Okay. What's the most important thing I can do this week, this month, et cetera. And those will be, you know, ever changing. Um, there's something that's, that's so palpable uh, and so enjoyable about the feeling of satisfaction, right. That you are, that you're on the path, you know, to achieving this vision. And that's when you can, when you can smile and, and live with yourself through any sorts of, trials and tribulations
1: and the thing that connor's journey teaches us is that a vision needs to evolve over time it can't be i would agree it can't be static it needs to grow with your in alignment with your own growth because what the reason connor is such an interesting case study is because he had a very powerful vision and it remained static as this thing that he wanted to achieve and he achieved it, and he achieved it with such force and magnitude that he, I believe that even he outgrew that vision. He outperformed his own vision because of how successfully he accomplished the things that he accomplished. And once he got to that peak, because he never reevaluated his vision or adjusted his vision to align with the path that he was on, he became lost and that's what we're seeing these past couple years is the results of not re-engineering that vision to adjust to the new phase of your life that you get to when you accomplish that thing that you're striving for this is a very big pitfall of, of having such a strong approach is that once you get to that thing you're striving for you start to realize that there's more beyond that, and it's hard. To, yep. it's hard to reassess and reevaluate and and understand what the next thing is.
0: No, I agree wholeheartedly, you know with that. that's a great assessment of you know he closed the book uh, on himself and he wasn't certain about uh, you know what to do next.
1: yeah, yeah. i want to I want to talk about um, a man named Roger Bannister. so he's not he's not a current athlete. He's actually dead. He's not a current mentality monster but he was the first man to run a mile in under four minutes he did this in 1954 the reason I want to talk about him is because he teaches us how to change the reference level and how to mold our environment into one that supports the things we want to accomplish because we talked about Brady and and Ronaldo earlier and What they're both masters of is changing the reference level of any environment they enter as soon as they get to a new space they recalibrate what everyone on the team in the organization and even in the fan base believes is possible. For that team to accomplish it's it's an adjustment of of reference and banister did this on a global scale in 1954 so he impact his his impact on the global reference level was incredible.
0: Yeah. He's a name synonymous with, you know, almost people like the Wright brothers, right. Who broke through yeah. you know, barriers that people thought, you know, were impossible. Um, it was the, you know, how much research went into the breaking of the minute mile that doctors and universities were all, all said it was impossible. Like the human heart and musculoskeletal system could not <laughs> produce a high enough, you know, uh, cardiovascular output to actually do this.
1: Yeah. And the, this was such an ingrained belief that humanity's collective vision and mindset were stuck in what currently was and not what could be. This is what, this is why I find, I find his story so fascinating.
0: Um, yeah. It's, it's also like the person who, you know, the first person who climbed Everest. Right. And if, if they, they scaled it, however, at the top, they, they died and there's a, there's a flag there. know it's the question did that person live a meaningful life right like that you know (laughs) man excuse me i don't know the guy's name but you know bill who climbed everest versus a meaningful life right if we were to you know do the the closing you know commentary on that on that court case he did he changed everything
1: yeah and what those those guys that climbed everest had a similar impact on that endeavor that banister had on running so Prior to Bannister's, Bannister had one. There was one meet where he ran that three minute and fifty nine second mile. And before that meet, humans had been achi- had been chasing this achievement for eight or nine years. Now, this happened in nineteen fifty four. So there's an impact that the that the Second World War had, and in, in probably prolonging how long that record stood. However, it was still this unachievable mark, according to science and media and other athletes um when you contrast that to what happened after banister broke the 4 minute mark yes 16 runners broke the barrier in the years following his initial run so his feet actually changed the world's reference point and he did this through his actions through demonstration to the world that a sub 4 minute mile was actually possible and once he did that all of a sudden every not every obviously not everyone but many runners could do it and the trajectory of the record uh, started to go down like the times became faster and faster at a very fast pace the yeah. so all of a sudden you had this like switch in people's minds that not only is this possible but i can do even better than what roger banister was able to do so all of a sudden all these limitations of the human body were just poof gone because one guy happened to run Three three minutes fifty nine seconds point four, which isn't even that much below four minutes.
0: You know, and, and the way I look at this this conversation is a positive mindset, so to speak, is a sword, right? And you know, so every, everybody is aware of the the power of okay, having a positive mindset. What separates these people is they also have a shield against the negativity, to complement the sword of positive attitude. You know. A, a, being motivated or having a positive attitude. That's like, you know, bottom of the food pyramid type stuff when it comes to, you know, advancing yourself in personal development. We all know the importance of it, but it's so hard to implement because there's, there's no defense mechanism against the neg, right? There's no defense mechanism yeah. against the negativity. And that's what these individuals have. They, they, they're able to compartmentalize, close off and translate and even use, right? I mean, you look at Tom Brady, he still he memorializes the number 199 because he was picked 199th overall. Um, and I mean, you know, now he's won seven Super Bowls. He doesn't Yeah, why him.
1: is that necessary? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and Bannister is able to allow all of this negativity to enter his awareness, but his belief system is has a moat around it, right? He's got that shield um, around it. So, They've got a weapon, and a defense mechanism to uh, protect against negativity as well as to advance.
1: This is this is a quote of his. All sporting events are more mental than physical. The real question is whether the brain can be allowed to do its bit without being interfered with by psychological factors. The other aspect of the brain is that it must be positive. Exactly what you just said. In his yeah. own words, he's saying that he has the mentality to mold his environment into what he needs to be successful and he has the positivity and the shield to protect that mentality and that structure so what banister did was he led with action he was living the angle and this is the primary way that yeah he this is the primary way that mentality monsters mold their environment to align with the things they want to achieve And it's a critical component to how they drive success in anything they do. And it's a critical component to how you can drive success in anything you do. Because the environment that we create for ourselves is the scaffolding that supports the systems we execute. We talked in a previous episode about syncing to our systems the environment is, as I said, the scaffolding for that system. And when we structure our environment to support our goals, those goals become more easily achievable. I think about this, like the classic example is always when you want to start a diet or eliminate sugary foods from your diet, don't buy the sugary foods. That's creating the scaffolding and the structure in your environment to support the system, to support the goal. And that's what all of these people do, Brady, Ronaldo, Bannister, Jarvis Landry, they all execute this in a almost perfect way. And they've developed these systems that allow them to do that very effectively. The yeah. final thing I'll say, the final thing I'll say about Bannister, which makes him an even more interesting case study is that he was famous for not training much. He only ran one hour a day and compare this to the amount of volume that, yeah, that sure. people he was competing against were training. Uh, It's it's incredible. And the reasons he gave for not training a lot are hilarious. First of all, he was a doctor. He was a neurologist. And he was studying. He only ran competitively while he was a student. And he was studying to be a doctor. And he wanted to focus on his studies. He also said he wanted to maintain his personal life and personal relationships. And he had other interests than than running. And he wanted to keep his evenings free to be able to, to... um have that other side of his life and not just be a fully dedicated runner so he chose not to train as much as his competition but what he did to overcome that lack of volume is he practiced deliberately and this is another thing that all of these mentality monsters do and it's another important concept that you can take away and apply to what you're doing on a day-to-day basis When you practice deliberately, what you're doing is you're determining what specifically you want to practice. You create a method to execute that practice, and then you define what success looks like so you can honestly evaluate how effective that practice was. And what Bannister did was he took that hour that he dedicated every day, his system, and he optimized it to enable him to run that sub four minute mile. He ran intervals, he ran hills.
0: Yeah, that's minimum, a minimum effective dose.
1: Yes, that deliberate practice is taking your mindset, taking that structure that you've created, putting it into action and living that angle. That's that's the value of that concept that is so powerful when it comes to achieving the things you wanna achieve.
0: Yeah, there's a great, uh, great poem by uh, Rudyard Kipling Um, Or the first verse is, uh, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to the hating. Um, So it's allowing these things to happen you know, sands them influencing your, your own mindset or your own emotions, um, effectively. And as so I highlighted in a, a couple of fronts, you know, Bannister was, was very good at that. Um, and, and someone, you know, near and dear to both of our hearts, uh, as well, that, uh, you know, was one of those people, right, where the tide raises all ships as well in a more modern era, you know, for me, it was Michael Phelps. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he made it, he made it chic to to train and live a certain way as a swimmer and change the way that you can, uh, you know, what you can achieve, you know, change what you can achieve outside the pool, right? He he made it, uh, he made it cool for people to swim. And, uh, you know, as, as growing up, that was a, that was a big deal, um, you know, swimming two hours a day staring at a black line at the bottom of the pool. I used to <laughs> lament the idea that I had friends that were, you know, at basketball practice that were actually having a conversation with one another and enjoying themselves. Um, all the people I swam with, we were all holding our breath and, and staring at a black line and, you know, Phelps, he he really was able to, to put something, uh, you know, reward at the end of that, that, that made it worth it. And sure. Well, well we all knew, you know, while swimming, we weren't going to, you know, win eight Olympic gold medals. It was still, it, it was about satisfaction. You know, he, he was an alert that, you know, you can be satisfied when you work that hard and, and you you live that angle and, and put in that work. And that really in, informed, you know, my, my life up to this point, right? When I stopped swimming, it was, you know, can I be satisfied with the effort that I put in, you know, to achieve this outcome? And and, and that really being a state of, of bliss for, for me personally is, you know, being satisfied with the effort you know, and also, you know, sprinkling in what I like to call, you know, low time preference, right? If you can be satisfied with the effort you put in, and also trust that it's it's adding up to something great on a much longer, uh, you know, protracted time frame, those are two things that uh, that I think Phelps did really well because he started training when he was extremely young and continued to achieve up until he was, you know, through his thirties, right? By the time he was in his last Olympics, there were people who grew up watching him that were trying to beat him their whole life and couldn't do it. Um, so he had, he had a lot of, uh, it spoke to his durability of, of mind, body, and spirit. Um, he was able to, to endure it for so long. And in the vulnerability that he, you know, he showed, um, you know, during the 2012 games where he was admittedly, you know, exhausted from the process and he'd gone through some things, you know, out of the pool, so to speak, between, and then, and so he, uh, he humanized it. He showed what what you can achieve and and he really created a place, um, you know, in my mind anyway, for the, for the feeling of satisfaction when you, when you put a shift in and, and you, you're able to, you know, to live the angles of my favorite phrases um, towards whatever your goal is and, and be comfortable with time um, and the time it takes to achieve that. So, you know, Phelps for me it was, it, you know, time, effort, identity. He really did it in a field that, that no one else, you know, had done it before, um, at least at that level.
1: He also taught us that it's possible to eat eight to 10,000 calories a day and not get fat.
0: Yeah, you can <laughs> outwork a bad diet uh, according to, <laughs> if you stick with the Phelps schedule, which is 10k worth of swimming per day. If your shoulders can handle that, you can become a Subway sponsor and literally how is every single thing in a restaurant
1: so we talked about a a lot of important concepts here and i want to we'll wrap up here and i i want to reiterate some of the ones that we that we said that are powerful when you're thinking about how you want to apply the the concepts of apply the mentality of these mentality monsters to your day-to-day the first one that i'll reiterate is the reference level always changes. As Roger Bannister told us, you can change you can change the reference level and reorient what is possible in your own mind so that you can accomplish the things you want to accomplish. The second thing that I want to that I want to point out and reiterate is that structuring our environment to support our goals is how we can make those goals more achievable. So when you're thinking about what you want to accomplish, think about your environment as much as the goal itself.
0: And on that one, I'll interject. There's a man named Dave Tate. He runs a gym in uh, Columbus, Ohio, for powerlifting. And he said the most important piece of equipment in the gym is the other people in it, because you're going to get as strong as like the median person in the gym that you work out in.
1: Yeah. So I avoid any gym that has uh, a high density <laughs> of Instagram fitness people. Um, so the other, the final thing is developing the mindset, protecting the mindset that's, that's a key component of, of being successful because on your journey, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. There are going to be things that challenge you and challenge your convictions and having the sword and the shield together makes you much more powerful in your quest to accomplish the things you want to accomplish.
0: Yeah, the uh, you think of the ups and downs like a frequency, right? Are you at a high frequency or a low frequency? Because the person that has the down at a low frequency, they stay in that pit for a while. They think about it. They, they, you know, they get in their feelings about it, and then over time, they progressively bounce back. The people who possess the sword and the shield, you know, the weapons to 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 win the war going on in your own mind for your own emotions, those are vibrating in a high frequency because they're able to get back to, you know, the peaks very quickly, you know, when, when negativity surfaces. So everyone, you know, please like, and subscribe mentality monsters on Spotify, Apple podcasts. Hope you enjoy the show We're we're welcome to any and all feedback. We would love to continue to improve the concepts we explore for you. So you can continue to better your life. We look forward to having some awesome guests on in the coming days and weeks as well. We can't wait to see you on our next episode.